K-Tow, Conway Stas, what's up? How's it going? How's it going, fam bam? It's your girl, Jess. Jess, be real. And welcome back for another dope episode of Jess Be Real Podcast. I'm kicking it today with one of my little sisters in Delta, whom I love so, 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 so much. But enough of me chatting. Let's get real. So I got the realest of me, my little sis, Alex, which I'm so excited to have her on because I just feel like with every going on, everything going on with this last year, her getting a, you know, I, I was at the virtual graduation when she graduated last year. So that's probably why it's real personal for me. So to know that she was going to HU, I was supposed to go up there for homecoming last year. And the pandemic just stopped all the plans because me and her pro was ready to go. Like, so Alice, introduce yourself to the people. Hi, everyone. My name is Alexandria. I do attend Howard University School of Law. Um, I attended Arizona State University um, for undergrad, where I majored in philosophy with an emphasis in law. So, yeah, I'm just excited to be here with my big sis, Jess. We love to see you always being my supporter, always ready to ride or die for me. So, yeah, I'm just really excited to kick this off. I'm glad y'all know. You heard what she said, ride or die. So, y'all, I just want y'all to know, any young man out there, <clears throat> I'm gonna let y'all know right now. Any young man out there pursuing my little sis, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on some some uh what, what's the word uh bad boys two type vibes like who are you where you came from type I need to know what's your social where do you live I need the coordinates to your household so like one of my other sororities can depict it because they in the army and stuff but I'm gonna need your all, all your credentials so if you are gonna come with this one come correct okay come correct because I know her pros and they don't play about her either so just just know what's up okay. Period. So today's episode is called Bliss, which means black law is super stressful. And I know I titled that on purpose because, first of all, being a black law student within itself, I'm sure is stressful. But going through a panini in the process, like you like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to go to HU to go to law school, meet with my friends. It's like, dang, I'm virtual. How the hell did I get into this? So I just thought there's no perfect person than Alex to bring on to this because, one, she's educated, she's melanated. And her insight within law school is the first hand because I seen the tweets. I be knowing. So I be knowing the struggle between brunch on Sunday and am I going to study this tort on Sunday instead and spend these four hours on this contract? Like, what's up? I got to try to divvy my time so I have a social life. So I'm like, yo, I got to get Alex because I literally followed her virtual journey the entire, you know, first year of law school. So it was only right. It was only right. It was only right. So, give them some background on who Alex is. Who is Alexandria Mangum? Like, who is she? Ooh, that's a multifaceted question. But we can start. Um, I was born in Detroit, Michigan to a single mother. Shout out to my mommy. Um, Shout out to her mommy because her mom's bomb, period. Yes. Shout out to my mommy. I was born in Detroit. Like, growing up in Detroit was, it was rough. Um, But, you know, we made it out. And I think that I really just owe all my success to my mom because she saw that there was like I needed to change. I need to get out of that environment. So she she did everything that I needed her to do. Like as far as my education, she kept me in the books. Okay, (laughs) black moms be like. Yeah, literally, like, we're not doing this. You're not about to go down the bath path. So it was, like, from school to sports to studying and back again. So I think that's kind of where I found my passion for school in general and education. And then as far as when it comes to law school, like, I really – I started off wanting to be a criminal defense attorney. Um, Go figure, because I'm in Detroit. Like, (laughs) everything that was going on around me, I'm like, all right, I'm going to be a criminal defense attorney. Let me say the people. Got me interested in law specifically and just, you know, st- keeping my head in the books. 
Um, and then I went to Arizona State because I got a full ride scholarship. You cannot. Did y'all not hear what she said? She said full ride scholarship. They paid for her to come to them because she was that dope. Y'all can tap yeah. in. Tap into that. Tap into that. <laughs> so I just went there and I was like, all right, I'm going to a PWI. This is going to be a little different. It was a different change from Michigan. But, um, you know, I joined Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated spring 2018. So it definitely <laughs> the, the illustrious sorority. Illustrious sorority. Um, and it really made it better for me. Like just getting adjusted and acclimated to ASU. Like my pro fights really honed in on me. Shout out to Chi and Tay out there. Shout out to Chi and Tay. Spring 16 in the building. Law Lakes 316. IK. I see y'all out here doing the yes. thing. Yes, absolutely. Love my chapter. And there was just women around me that also wanted to be attorneys and just really honed in on my skills and helped me. So I definitely appreciate that. And I had to go to HU, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to Howard University School of Law. We love to see it. Love y'all. And I just had to because for me, um, studying the law is hard, right? It's difficult mm-hmm. when you think about the Constitution and seeing that we weren't even like, a part of it. Not even a part of it. We weren't thought of when they were creating the Constitution. Right. They were this um this country so studying it at a pwi was not for me i did not apply to arizona state university um nothing wrong with asu but i just knew where i wanted to be and why not go to the best hbls which is a historically black law school which is hu and um that's where i wanted to go and that's where i ended up so yeah a little bit about me that's what's up i think i think sometimes as a culture we discredit our hbcus even though they were built for us and by us um, and, you know, I'm an HBCU alum because I went there for undergrad. So it's a little different for me. But I went to an HBCU that literally is in a state where literally the Mason-Dixon line starts. So, like, Delaware State is literally plopped down in literally in a rural area where there's nothing but Caucasian rednecks, like Confederates, where that's literally where the racism pretty much starts because Delaware is the first state. So that was, like, the first to be. So it's like, imagine having this black school in the middle of this and it's like the rest of it is just nothing but trailers and tractors and everything else so it's like i feel like we don't give enough hbcus credit and i feel like hbcus for me i it was no choice like undergraduate my undergraduate experience i had no alternative if i could my mom could afford it i would have went to spellman but they'll say was the next best thing for me and i feel like i was where i was supposed to be because it's just like for once i feel like the majority especially coming out of a school where it's predominantly white and I was in AP and honors courses, I didn't see many people with melanin in their skin was sitting within those classrooms. And if they did, they didn't have a contact to the streets or like the real world. They were more so sheltered. I won't say an Oreo, but they were more so sheltered to not know what was going on outside of their academia. So it was kind of like, I'm going to hang with Molly, I'm going to hang with Peggy, but y'all don't know what's going on with... Taniqua and Tashana, who's literally right down the street, and I hang with them, but I'm still able to maintain my grades in the classroom. So I feel like that that's major for me, and I commend you for that because I feel like a PWI to an HBCU is a real big transition because it's like, well, damn, I went from the minority to the majority, and then I got other black people trying to rock out with me to make this small percentage of people that are lawyers. How much dope can it be? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's so dope to me. So I feel like undergraduate experience, I'm not going to take it away from it because me going to DSU, but I just feel like making major moves like that within your master's, your doctorate, you know, your law school, it speaks volumes of how much you really want to be intact with your culture and your people. And I commend that. 
No, when I think about if I could do it differently, I absolutely would have went to HBCU. You feel me? Like, I was more so looking at, okay, my mom can afford for me to go to college. So I'm just going to go with the full ride. Like, right. I applied to HBCUs. And at the time, I just couldn't afford it. Um, my mom didn't have the money. My family didn't have the money to send me. So I was like, okay, so I'm just going to go to the PWI that's giving me all the money. Right. And then I can afford it myself or, you know, for my higher education, I already knew. It was like, anybody that knows me knew I was going to Howard. Like, it was no, like, oh, maybe this, maybe that, maybe I'll apply to Arizona State. I did not even apply because I do think it's very, very important. And I'm going to put that into my kids. Like, people like to discredit HBCUs and I see it all the time on social media. But for me, it's like, it was for us. You feel me? Like, this, this is a safe mm-hmm. space and as far as law school goes, um, I'm entering to the 5%, actually the 2% if you think about black women, but 5% of attorneys are black. And that's important to me. It's important to me to bridge the gap from people that are at HBCUs, undergrad to HB, HBLS, which is a, a historically black law school. It's very important. Yeah, your Harvards and your Stanfords are okay, but it's really important. Like when I was applying to law schools and I was looking at the top 100 law schools, right? How are we, we made it. Of course they did. The top 100, but it's like, they, we weren't even included into that conversation. But when you talk about bar passage rates and you talk about, um, you know, passing the bar and people that are getting the jobs, Howard's right there. Right. I'm, I'm, this summer, I'm at a top 10 law firm. Go and- off. Y'all heard top 10, <laughs> top 10. I'm with the Georgetowns, I'm with the Harvards, I'm with the Columbias, and it's like, oh, you introduce yourself on the first day. It's like, oh, where do you go to um, law school? Proudly, I go to Howard University School. Say that with your chest, sis. And I'm proud to say that. Absolutely proud to say that because people do not understand that we are getting educated and we're getting educated well. Uh, Howard has a very like intensive writing program, like research program. So it's like, just because we go to HBCU does not mean that we're getting less educated. Like that is so far from the truth. And I I really wish that more black people understood that. Um, It is no fault. Sometimes it's no fault of their own because they're just not educated on that. They don't know. They're Mm going to go like I did, go to the list. Oh, let me pick the top thing that's on the list. They don't understand that that's rooted in white supremacy. Right. Right. Talk heavy. Talk heavy. Talk heavy. Like, just saying, like, it's going to be the PWIs at the top of the list because they basing it off of how many books you got in your library, how much money's getting donated to your school. And it's like, well, we're at HBCU. Um, we're not going to have that much money getting donated to us. We're not going to have that much money in our uh, library or books in our library because we don't have a lump that is wealthy enough to donate that to us. So, you know, it's just based off of superficial things. And I, and I really do encourage anybody that's listening to this podcast that wants to be an attorney is black absolutely check out the six hbls is like definitely do your research on them because it's such a great thing i know for me because that's the reason i was gonna go to north carolina central for me because i wanted to be poly north carolina north carolina central law school is one of the tops for you know so it's like yo it's howard there's nccu like and people sleep on it because it's like north carolina central what law school i'm like don't do that because if you want to talk about rankings they're up there like don't do that we're not going to do that that's what we're not going to do but like honestly for if you're looking at law schools like don't like you can go onto those websites right 
and you can see because sometimes it does matter for jobs and stuff like that but what i would do is like i did and i will reach out to somebody that actually goes there and tell them to give you the real because they will all right so admin you know hbcus aren't great but you don't have to deal with that but i'm saying when you think about you think about quality education you're going to get a quality education you're going to pass the bar like the numbers do not lie like they don't they lie like just just check it out that's all i really encourage people to really check it out and I o- I'm also going to speak on this because we've had Eb on here, who's another soror, who's from uh, Epsilon Zeta, which is out in Cali, the Cali Reds. And she was on before talking about, you know, her process of going through law school and her defeat of the bar. Because I heard the Cali bar is one of the hardest ones to pass when it comes to passing the bar. And sis took it three times. The third time was the charm. And she was like, nobody understands that even with my PWI education, me being a black woman in California within itself is is the hardest part. Me going from the bar exam and passing it successfully, even if the first round is is not common. So like, I'm like, yo, I'm like, okay, speaking from somebody, that's somebody who's had experience. I'm like, yo, I need to have somebody on here who's currently going through that struggle, who can speak on what they're actually experiencing, especially with the pandemic, because Bliss literally is an acronym who's a, that's an oxymoron because it's not bliss being a black law student. It can't be, especially in the pandemic. Like, you want to talk to your professors. You want to have that one-on-one interaction. Like, what if I'm not made for this audio life? What if I'm more of a physical, visual person where I need to be able to talk to you and be like, hey, yo, professor, this isn't making sense. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I'm like, yo, Alex is the perfect person because Ebony has been there and triumphed. But I need a person who's actually going through it as a black woman, especially with everything that transpired with George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, especially being at the mecca of meccas for HBCUs. I don't care what I say. HU is the real HU is Howard. I don't care if if Hampton feels some type of way, but it's Howard. It's the Bisons. Sorry to say it, not because I'm biased, because I have family who graduated and people who's there. But think about it. D.C. is Chocolate City. That's the mecca. End of story. Fight your mom about it. I don't care. We're not going to debate about this. No, I want to touch on something you said because I do think it's important. Um, like people don't understand that go- your first year of law school is the hardest, right? Because you're getting all of your court classes, your torts, your civ pro, your contracts, right? And that's hard in itself. But when you add the pandemic on top of that, and you add being on Zoom all day on top of that, and not being able to connect with your professors and not being able to connect with your classmates because 50% of law school, whether they tell you or not, is networking. That's really how it is. That's how you get the jobs. Like, you can mm. somebody that's going to be the judge or your co-counsel or your opposing counsel. So, like, not having those connections is very hard. And for me, I think moving all the way from Arizona to D.C. was just very hard. Like, it was very hard on my mental. My mom was sick at the time, so it was just, like, a lot for me. I was like, you know what? I don't think this is for me. Like, and Howard told us that we were virtual probably like two weeks before we were supposed to start. So I was like, oh, I got to pick up and move right. from Arizona to D.C. And during a pandemic, like it was just so hard and by myself because my mom couldn't fly. She was sick. So I had to really just do everything by myself. And it was hard. So I think the one thing that got me my first semester was imposter syndrome. Just asking myself, am I supposed to be here? Is this right for me? Am I doing the right thing? Should I have waited? And also adding the fact that I was 22 years old, <laughs> like I'm very young. <coughs> so Excuse me. I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm like one of the youngest people in my class. And all of these people around me have work experience, right. like intern for this person. That imposter person. syndrome kicks in. 
imposter syndrome for sure kicks in and i had to really tell myself that no you're gonna be fine like like god would not bring you this far to leave you better you you better speak who you are you better speak who you are yes literally repeat that to myself in the mirror every day like you did not move across the country for god to just drop you like this is not going to happen like you're going to do fine you're going to do well it's a pandemic everything going on in the world like it was a lot and study and people don't understand like we're having these conversations like these tough conversations about george right and he rest in peace right. and we're having these conversations in law school and that's hard on your mental so you're like do i take oh my goodness i remember the day when they were reading the verdict it's like and we were in contracts and it's like do i take this time to really digest what's happening here do I study this contracts book? Do I read pages before class? Do I review? Do I right. turn my camera off and let me, you know, like feel that and cry? Because it was a tough moment. And those are the decisions that class of 2023 is was going through and still going through because I know that me and my, some of my classmates that have this conversation, it's like it's hard, it's rough. So yeah, law school is a very unique experience, but when you add being black, being female in a pandemic. On top of that, listen, listen, I just thank God for getting me through my first year of law school. I really do because it was nothing but him. And clearly my grandma has been praying. May she rest Hello? Them angel prayers hit different. Them angel prayers hit different. Her prayers from way back when was getting me through law school because we, we like to talk about the good aspect, right? Over in law school, we're getting educated, but no one wants to talk about your mental health. No Hello, talk about it. How hard it is. Talk about it. So I really wish that, and I'm glad that you're inviting me on this podcast because if the conversation needs to be had. Like we need to be having these conversations amongst ourselves because it's hard. And I do think if I was in person, I would have the more opportunity to have those conversations. I would have the opportunity to get those connections, but being in a pandemic you sitting in front of the your computer looking at your four walls and it's like dang this is hard so yeah but you know i think that the people that i did get opportunities to have connections with and my mentor like and my sorority sisters definitely got me through like i definitely say that i have a strong support system whether it was them sending me a care package like texting me facetime me like girl you good i'm like I don't know if I'm good, but... <laughs> I'm here, though. Yeah, I was one of those people that I was checking in regularly, like, how was your mental? You okay today? Yeah. <laughs> like, definitely appreciate those. Like, they don't even understand how much it meant to me to wake up and like, you okay today? Like, just say you okay, because people don't understand. It's like, it's rough. Like, we don't really talk about that. So it's like, I really appreciate you and um, everybody, all my, all of my support system, because it definitely got me through my first year. I had to do that with her for y'all. So y'all know I had to do that with her and her profile, because her profile's in med school right now, like along with my special. Which I might not remember. Brianna was on the podcast a while back before she started med school. They both in med school and they stay first year. And they over here like remote, and I'm like, Brianna's supposed to be in the room, supposed to be over here overseas, and she's supposed to be in Miami. And y'all both still. I'm like, okay, so this is a lot. I'm gonna have to make sure I keep these three in my prayers regularly because you got law school for one, and both of these other ones are in med school first year. Like, let me know. You okay today? How's your mental today? Because I know with everything going on, how where's your mindset at right now, sis? Like, talk to me if you need to talk. But I just wanted to check in and make sure your mental was okay. Like, where are we at? 
And I promise you, if like family members of law students are listening to this, or I know that it's bar season, so the um, newly graduates are taking a bar, like have that little check in. You don't got to be overbearing because I do understand that sometimes, like, I don't want to check my phone. It's like, I'll text my mom, like, hey, I'm turning my phone off for a couple hours, just leave me alone. And I get that we need that time. But, you know, it's nice to, when you do finally turn back on your phone, that somebody's there, somebody's thinking about you. So definitely, like, do those little t- uh, check ins because they help. So, being that you're at the Mecca of Black Education, which is the real HU, how was the process getting in, getting admission into Howard Law? Like, how did that whole thing go for you? So, I applied early admission to Howard, like I said, because I already knew I was wanted to go there. That's where I was going to be. Howard was my dream school. Like, I applied to uh, Emory in Atlanta. I applied to Thurgood Marshall. I applied to Columbia. Like, I applied to a good bit of schools, but I knew that I wanted to go to Howard. So, getting into law school, it's it's difficult, right? Because we have to take the LSAT, which is the law school admissions test. Child. (laughs) For me, I was a one and done. I'm not going to sit here and tell people that I took it three times and it was a (laughs) struggle. I don't got a struggle story for y'all. I'm sorry. I do not have a struggle story like and I commend the people that quote unquote do have a struggle story even though I don't like to put it like that but if you struggle to get in law school I am literally here for you but that was not my story and I took the LSAT one time and that was the score I'm not gonna disclose my score but it clearly it was good enough to get me into Howard and I was rocking with it like I was like <laughs> I was like, all right, this is what it was. I will say, like, actually studying for the LSAT, I studied for about three months, two to three months, self-study. And I do think that if I could do it over again, I would get a tutor. That was my biggest thing when I look back on it. It's like, okay, if I would have got a tutor, I would have um, done better and got more money. Mm, okay yeah if anybody's listening to this i will say like definitely get a tutor it is helpful and it's very necessary because when you think about and it's definitely hard and i'm not just saying like oh get a tutor you're like well alice how am i going to afford a tutor right i get that if you cannot afford a tutor i totally understand it's definitely doable i did not have a tutor but if you can't afford a tutor or if you have some uh, your school, look into it because ASU definitely had it as well. Your school uh, partners with like Catholic or something. You definitely can get classes and be group classes, but that's still helpful than doing it all totally by yourself. And so I would recommend studying for three to four months for the LSAT before. I took the LSAT, got my score, and that's what it was. And I applied to Howard. And yeah, I'm here. The rest is history. The rest is her story. Yeah, her story. Howard though I love my school but I was accepted into Howard three weeks before I found out like wow HBCU type vibes that's common HBCU stuff I ain't gonna hold you welcome to our world welcome to the world welcome to the world no for real when I looked at the acceptance day I was like this was three weeks ago so I really got accepted like in December but I didn't see it until January and I was like, dang, like, I'm over here stressing. When I say stressing, I was stressing. I was like, did I get in? Did I get in? I saw, like, the little hashtag. They had, like, Hustle23. People was posting. I'm like, dang, like, I ain't gonna accept it. But it was because uh, they didn't send it to me in the mail. <laughs> so Typical Negro stuff. Yes, but, yeah, we're here. I'm excited. 
excited. I love Howard. So yeah, those are really the steps and the advice that I would say. The biggest thing is to get a tutor for the LSAT because your LSAT score matters. Also your GPA. Now I will say my GPA was up there. So I didn't really have to do much in that aspect. I will say definitely join your organizations on your campus. Definitely get involved. They look for that. Your personal statement is also a big thing as well. And I take this two ways, right? Some people like to tell their story, and that's what I did. I really poured my heart out into my personal statement. Like, this is why I'm here. I want to fight for justice. Like, I'm here to really, like, awesome, change the world type vibe, right? I mean, you're a Delta. Delta means change. So, I mean, Delta Sigma Theta. Change to some degree. Hello. No matter how many of you get, you as long as you have the degrees to change it, make it happen. Make it happen, right? No excuses. So that's what I was on for my personal statement. But you can also highlight the things that you did on campus, your community service. So those is really the steps to take to get to law school. And like I said, like, just put your best before. First impressions are everything. You only get a couple Elevator pitch. You only get one time to make a lasting impression, period. Absolutely. So- and that applies not just in law for y'all. I just want to know that applies in everyday life. Like, because I'm in the business world. So that applies. You never know who you're around, who you're speaking to, who you're in the atmosphere, and who they know. Because networking is major. And like I said before, my other episode, my random episode I dropped, networking is why I joined Delta. Because I'm like, yo, these women run business the way I like my business ran. I want to be a part of that. Y'all have your hands in service and still, oh, y'all, y'all top tier. I need to be a part of that. I'm going to seek y'all because y'all about me and I'm about y'all. Let's let's, make, let's see if we can make a connection here. Okay? Listen, Deltas are in every room. I'm going to say that. Always, honey. Always. Y'all see Marcia Fudge, past national president Marcia Fudge. Y'all see she's out here over HUD. The one that said, excuse me, I said, hello. I said, good morning. That's a Delta woman. Know her when you see her, period. Because we're going to always call you out. I know I'm not in this room alone. Hello, good morning. I know you hear me, like, walking into the room. Respond. Speak. You're spoken to, so respond. Hello? Hello, I greeted you. I'm sorry, I didn't hear anybody respond. Give me the reciprocity of what am I greeting. Period. No past national president on, on life on everything. Yes. But I feel like for me, my major question is, we know your process to law, but why law, though? Why law? So, like, I'll go back to what I was saying. Like I said, I was born uh, to a single mother in Detroit, and let me tell you, like, not to get all deep and emotional. This is called Just Me Real Podcast, so we keep it a hundred, a hundo, all day, every day, okay? Growing up in Detroit is hard. Shout out to, listen, all... Everybody that's from Detroit that's listening to this, like literally six mile and grassy, look it up. That's where I'm from, East Side. Yes, that's where I'm from. So, go, just growing up around in that environment, um, I saw a lot of things. I heard a lot of things, like my family. And like I said, I wanted to be a criminal defense attorney. Like I think my uncle going to jail was like the the point in my life where I was like, what can I do to help? Like that's right. I kept my mom, like, what can I do? What can I do? Like, what did he do? Like, how how were we gonna do to fix this? Right, wrongfully convicted. So um, that was my why as to why I went to law school. And then when I got to law school, I was like, okay, so now I'm thinking about generational wealth. I'm mm. like, like to say generational wealth to just throw that out there, but no. Well, you know, I know all about that. Listen, people like to say that I did not come from, I'm first of all, I'm first generation college student and I'm a first generation law student. So when I say generational wealth, I really mean that. Like I'm setting it up for the generations to come. Like, my kids, my kids' kids. Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. So, I I really mean that. And so, for me, it's like, okay, so I want to help the people. 
but I also want to get to this bag, <laughs> right? So, and that's why I'm at the firm that I'm at because they allow me to do both. Like I could do pro bono work, work, work on those type of cases and also be a corporate attorney. So, and I'm really thinking about investing and really, like I said, setting it up for generations to come. So that's really my why law school from the beginning and like why I still stuck with it. Because yes, I love law. I have a passion for law. Clearly you can tell. But it's also for my family. Like, there right. are so many people are counting on me, you know what I'm saying? So I can't mess up. It's like spy lots on you. What are you going to do with this time? And I think about that every day. Time is money. And for me, it's like every day of my life and every day I wake up, I'm thinking about what can I do to improve on what I did yesterday, period. And that's simple. Like, that's why. Yeah, and that's, that's, why, that's why I continue to go. Like, uh, we talked about mental health. Like, one of the days that I'm down, I'm like, nah, get up. <laughs> because... This is what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about my sister. I'm thinking about my little cousins. I'm thinking about my mother. I'm thinking about my future kids. They come in a little bit later, but I'm thinking about my future <laughs> kids. That's what I'm thinking about. Like my mom and my family really deserves the world. So those that's my why as to why I continue. And like I said, my why as to why I started was because of the environment I grew up in. And I feel like a why in anything you do, whether it be work, whether it be, you know, uh education or anything. A why is you're always going to be your perseverance of what you go back to on those days where you feel like you're defeated and depleted, where it's like, yo, I don't have the energy today, but if I go back to my why, my why is why I'm doing this. So then that's going to motivate you to make sure you get your butt up. Like for me, I, I don't really like working out anymore, but my why pushes me to be able to be like, yo, your why is why you're doing this because if they were alive, this is what they'd be pushing for is a healthy life, a multi life. So I always say... The ones who count on you always overcome and supersede the ones that count you out. That's what I always tell myself. Like, the ones that count on you overstand the ones that count you out. Because the ones that count on you are always going to have more of a massive number and a greater impact than the ones that count you out. Because all they're doing is motivating you as well. But the ones that count on you are going to always have a bigger impact than the ones that count you out in general, period. I think about my support system. And for me, like, yes, law school is competitive, but I'm competing with myself. Like, I don't have time to think about what the next person is doing. Exactly. I don't have time to think about what, how many hours the next person put in or did they go to sleep. I do not pull all-nighters. I've never been that girl. Never been <laughs> me, so I'm not going to do it. Like, You're not going to start today. Not going to start today. There's only one point in my life where I was pulling all-nighters. Like, that's it. So, I'm never doing that. When it comes to my schooling, though, that's not me. So, I'm for law school, people be like, oh, well, what type of study tips can you, like, what kind of advice can you give on studying? And it's like, do what you, do what made you successfully got you to this point. Mm-hmm. You're going to law school for a reason, so stick to that. Do not, law school is not the time to change up your study habits. Like, if you're a visual learner and you're that type of person where you need hands-on approach, don't stop going to office hours because you feel as if your professors like intimidate you a little bit. Go because that's what you need to do. If you take notes, definitely continue to take handwritten notes. Just because the next person which uh, sit next to you typing on a MacBook, take them handwritten notes because I promise you that's what's gonna get you through because you're already used to that. So no, I don't switch it up. I don't change it up. I'm not competing with the next person. I'm competing with Alex every single day. Like I'm trying to be better than the person that I was the day before. And that's really what it is. Like, so yeah. So what area of law are you looking into to actually practice once you finish law school? So right now I'm looking into, um, for my internship, I'm doing corporate mergers and acquisitions. And 
<laughs> money bags, you know, <laughs> we all looked bad. But, um, I really, my long-term goals, I have a lot. Like, I do have some things that I want to do, but right now it's corporate mergers, mergers and acquisitions, and I want to uh, eventually be an entertainment lawyer, so... That was my original goal in life. <laughs> As you see, it didn't pursue. We got listen, sis. We got time. Listen, it is okay. Um, and I, and I tell people that all the time. Like Justin and I were having that conversation earlier. Like it's not a specific time of when. Like it's when you feel like it. It's when you feel like you're ready. That's when the win is. Like, and we just spoke about this. But don't be in competition. Like, oh, she did it. Like a little bit faster. You don't know what Shorty had to go through to get there. You don't know her story, and she don't know your story. So do it at your own pace. Because when you feel like you're ready, that's when you're going to succeed. But yeah, so entertainment law um, is what I think the direction I'm heading in right now. Uh, right now, I'm doing mergers and acquisitions, and also I want to do like a lot of pro bono work. When I was at ASU, I took a death penalty class, and that's really something like pulls on my heartstrings. Mm. So I want, yeah, death penalty work. Like I said, I got my hand in a lot of things, and I'm interested in a lot of. But things. as you should though. Yes, because you're not restricted. Like I always, on my first ever episode on Just Be Real podcast was Don't Doubt a Queen. You don't have to subject me to being in a box because if I have a plethora of options where I'm able to exceed my abundance, I'm going to do so. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you saying that because I was having a conversation with myself the other day. I'm like, dang, I really have a lot of interest because for me, if I wasn't practicing law, I would be an actress, period. Like, that's what I would do. That's the road I would go down. So I'm like, okay, so I want to be an entertainment lawyer. Let me try to figure that out. And so before I could go in-house, um, I think in like corporate law, like I said, to, to build that wealth. And then, like I, we, we talked about, pro bono is my thing. So that's where I'm at. That's why, I, that was my why in the beginning. And death penalty work, yes, is like, it's very hard. But that's something I'm also passionate about. So those are my interests. I, I only say this is, I appreciate the fact that you have options and you're not subjected just to one thing, which I, I love the most about it because, like I said, you can't box you in. So if I have my hand in all these things when it comes to my, my resume, my skill set, I can tell you I have my hand in this, this, and this, and this. So you can't box me in and say I'm not able to do this because if I'm able to do these other seven things, you give me something new, I'm going to be willing to adapt and try to learn the structure of what you're giving me. So I feel like that's dope within itself because... A lot of times they try to box black women, black women in, especially when it comes to the law aspect of you. This is what you do. You do corporate. Okay, so just stick with corporate. Oh, no, you do entertainment. Oh, just stick with that. You do. Oh, just stick with that. Like, no, I'm a woman of multifaceted. So let me flourish in my way. I want to flourish. And you're not going to stop me not from flourishing to be able to, to obtain the knowledge because the more knowledge is my more power. And that's what intimidates you. For That's why you tell me to just, oh, just, just stick with one. No, I'm not going to stick with one thing. Not I'm going to be a powerhouse. Period. Exactly. And that's and that's how it goes. So given you're in the chocolate city, how has the transition been coming from Arizona attending a PWI to now being at a majority of an HBCU, which we know is the Mecca of the Mecca? Man, listen, let, let's get real. This is just be real, so let's get real. Okay, say that. <laughs> say that. Arizona. I just actually came back from Arizona. It was kind of funny, like, going out. And I'm just like, no, this ain't it. Went out with my best friend or whatever. We was like, you know, just going to chill. And I'm like, the environment is just different. Like, it's just different. Um, 
And so coming to DC and going out and, you know, hanging out, it's just a different vibe. Like I feel at home, like I feel how I was when I was in Michigan. Like I'm like, oh, these are my type of people. Now don't get me wrong. Like black people going black people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's of course. That's, that's what happens, but I do feel as if I feel more comfortable in certain spaces and going out. And this is, uh, just not to cut Alex off, this is why I had yeah. to put her on to my my tribe in the DMV because, you know, I'm the Eastern region, so her coming from the far west, that's my home because Delaware literally is an hour and a half from the DMV. So I'm like, oh, let me put you on a so-so, so-so, so-so. She's like, well, dang, that's like nine different so Well, let me tell you, that's how, that's how connected we are. I to make sure they look out because I'm not that close. What I tell you, Jess is the goat when it comes to networking and connections. Like you need something called Jess, and that's just. <laughs> well, I appreciate you. Hello, always. There's always somebody on the Rolodex, but that's the yes. point of why I joined Delta. So people are like, I'm like, oh, I know somebody out there. Let me let me connect you with someone. So they be like, yo, you know everybody, and it's on purpose. I want to know everybody. My my sorority is bigger than just my chapter. I'm supposed to know everybody. You talk about it because people love to think that it's just your chapter. No, we join. It's incorporated. Like, we're everywhere. Like And people be shocked. They be like, I'm like, no, I know Cali sorors all the way down to Bermuda sorors. Like, I know across waters. Like, I... There's not, and I tell the people all the time, what I'm so secure in Delta is about, I can travel anywhere and I always have a number I can call no matter where I'm at if I need a soror. Absolutely. And I'm 10 years in this. And I'm retired now, but I'm just going to say, like, I've I've done that over my 10 years, and I take pride in that. I take pride in that because it just shows how you can single-handedly, if you can build a network like that, you can definitely use that network to your advantage. So I don't, I'm not the type that what a lot of old heads do is they take those networks and keep them to themselves. I share it. Because I wasn't given the opportunity for it to be shared with me. So if I can share my network with you, I'm going to share my network. Because, like, again, I got some of my sayings that I got to put you on with that are definitely the DMV. Um, but they would look out because they're like, oh, that's your little sister. That's Alex. I'm like, yeah, look out. Like, in Miami, when I was telling you, her pro, I'm like, oh, you in Miami? Oh, I know stories that are from Miami. Like, I know everybody. She was like, sis, are you serious? I'm like, I know everybody everywhere. And I know their profiles, profiles, profiles. Like, sis, you know, I forgot I've been in this game a little minute. I know a little people, people's people. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like it's pertinent to share knowledge. And I think that's a big thing that's kind of, I take as remiss sometimes yeah. because people hold on to what they know and they don't share the knowledge and then get upset. It's like, well, you didn't share what you knew upon me, but you're mad that I don't know it. But you knew it the whole time, so why don't you share it? And, and I think that's a good point when we when we uh, talk about like law school versus PWI and HBC. You made a great point because I feel as if if I was to go to a PWI, when you talk about spreading knowledge, would not. Like, law school is so heavy about like networking and mentorship it's so heavy, like somebody that had an outline for the class and a teacher that you taught that can give you some tips, like, okay, don't necessarily go totally in and read the case book, but do this. And that's why I came to Howard, for that network, for those connections, for people mm -hmm. to like trickle down, and that's what I get. Like, I absolutely love my Howard Pair mentor. When I say that, she will give me pretty much anything on my head, like, I need this, she's like, all right, this, this, and this. At a PWI, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> like, 
Right. Because you don't want anybody else to, you know, gain that knowledge. Like they did back in the day from not allowing us to read and write. Oh, period. That's really what it is. That's really what it is. And law school specifically is all about ranks. Um, everybody can't get a hundred. Only one person getting a hundred in class. Everybody can't get an A. It's only probably going to be like five to ten people getting an A in the class. The majority of people are going to get Bs. So it's just like, yes, it's a very competitive nature because it's graded on a curve. Mm-hmm. So, but at, at Howard, I definitely, even though it is like very competitive, I do say that I still feel like, okay, if I need something, I know who to go to for it and they're going to always look out for me. So I appreciate my law school for that. And that's major because I feel like what we also... And this is this is on top of it, but I feel like with transgenerational trauma, that's something that we're bestowed upon and instilled in us that you're supposed to want help, but you're not supposed to ask for it. But I'm like, that's an oxymoron and a contradiction because if I want help and need it, why am I not asking for it? Why does my mouth have to be closed? But you're telling me a closed mouth don't get fed. But when I ask for it, it's like, well, why are you asking for handouts? But well, what, what am I supposed to do? Because you said a closed mouth don't get fed. And if I have to ask for somebody's help, how is that me? You know what I'm saying? Subjecting myself to something different. That doesn't agree with you as a in a black community, and I feel like we have to break that. And I feel like our generation is the generation to do us. So it's like I have a problem saying, "Hey, I'm not okay. Um, anybody know help? And hey, I need a little bit of assistance over here. Can you help me over here? Because I don't know nothing about this." And that's what I was saying on my last episode was sometimes the sister next to you has more knowledge that you might not be able to acquire. Why not ask her to let her be stowed upon you so you can be able to be knowledgeable in that area? You might not be the expert. But at least you're knowledgeable to know how to be able to proceed in future references when that situation comes up. Like with business, I got you all day with business, nonstop, ins and outs, balance sheet, all day. I'll tell you what applies to what with the SEC, Sox, Axe, Arbane, Oxley. I got you. But you might be good in the area of HR where it's like, well, you have rights as an employee. You have rights with this, this, and this. You know what I'm saying? Another story and enlighten me. And I'm like, you know what? You share your knowledge with me and me share my knowledge with you. If you want to open a business, I'm here to tell you how to file for your, your business. If you want to make it a corporation and make it a legal entity, I'm able to do that. And I'm not going to charge you because in our sisterhood, that's what we signed up to do. Right. So I feel like there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I got this piece of a gem. Let me share it with you. And I think that's where we lack in the black community as a whole. It's like, I'm just keeping it to myself so I can get bigger. But it's like, if your whole team's not winning, then you're not really winning. You're not winning. Listen, in the black community, but I do think that we're we're getting away from that slowly but surely. But when you talk about crabs in the bucket, it is real. Like Beyond is real. certain people, black people do not want to share their resources because they feel as if if you get a little bit of knowledge or you get a little gem, then it's gonna stop my bag and stop my shine. Incorrect. <laughs> Incorrect. And I wish we really understood that is like if the, the sister or the brother next to me gets this little gem. And now we can have a share of resources and knowledge. And now we just all winning. Like we, it's just circulating in our community. Like, oh, you Period. know about this, I know about this. Let's come together and create something. And I do think when we say like breaking generational curses, that that is one that is slowly but surely is being broken. Because I do see like from me growing up in Detroit to now being in law school, the shift. I do think our generation is getting away from that. And, and I appreciate that because you think about my mom's generation. My mom, me and my mom have these conversations all the time. It's like, oh, well, if I had those resources and somebody older than me was, mm-hmm. 
woman is smart. You feel me? Like she is smart. Like she she's so knowledgeable on certain things. And had somebody nurtured her and really gave her the resources and the knowledge that she needs, she could have done anything, you know? So and I and I appreciate that because for me, when I think about really educating the next generation, I'm here. Like I have so many mentees and like hitting me up like, can you be my mentor? I want to go to law school. Right. Like, what it takes to be a mentor. <laughs> right. And I said the same thing with me with the accounting mentorship program. I'm like, wait, y'all want me to mentor somebody? Y'all me? Me though? You want me? Of all people? And it just puts you by surprise. It's like to think that somebody thinks so highly of you to be able to do as such. So it's like when I even that's even like and it goes back. I'm not trying to be Greeky, y'all, but it goes back to even with Soros. And they're like, oh hey, your energy is dope. Like, would you be taking me on as a little sis? And I'm like, you want me? Me of all people? Like, why me? Like, why? You don't know me. You just met me on the internet. Like, why me? They're like, because your energy speaks for itself. And I'm like, okay, energy don't lie. People do. Okay, so if my energy spoke to you first and you don't know me from a can of paint, I guess it's accurate. Okay, well, I mean, I could try to, I can try to see where we go with this. Absolutely. absolutely. I'm willing to bestow some gems. You absolutely, you bestow gems all the time. Your energy is absolutely dope. And that's why, like, when people do come to me and ask me to be their mentor, I have to take a step back because I'm like, why me? Okay, little me. But I don't say no because I'm like, I could be the only person in her life. That part. Like, that has the That part. That part right there. Because I'm like, dang, I don't want to mess nothing up, or like, you know, me being scared could really just be closing that door of opportunity for her, and I'm never gonna stop any black woman shine. So when people do reach out to me and be like, even if they don't ask for mentorship, but they just ask a question, and I get the question a lot about going from ASU to DC. Like people ask me that, that's not even interested in law. They're like, how did you move across the country? Like, how did you do that by yourself? Like, you're so young. How did you do that? And I answer people because it's like, I wish somebody would have told me. Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't listen. I'm an open book when it comes to stuff like that because I I just think that it's very important. Like you talked about the knowledge thing, it's very important to share knowledge. I think that's the only superpower as a as a culture we have is the knowledge, because that's something that they can never take away from us. Like y'all can do anything to me physically, but my mind you can never get. Can never get that. So, what is something you've learned thus far in law school that is a staple to you to have tenacity day after day to keep pursuing your, you know, that goal? I think the biggest thing I learned in law school that is that I'm enough. And I know that seems like very like, oh, we're not going to give an educational tip. But I do think it's important to know that what you're doing and who you are is enough because law school will literally break your spirit sometimes. Mm. And so I have grown so much from August to what we may, almost June. Like I've grown so much in the matter of months because law school, you get, you get a different way of thinking about the world, about life. Like, and for me going from 22 so 23 has just been such a big transition in life. So I think the the biggest thing to is just to be true to myself. Like as much as I'm changing, stuff is changing around me, the world is changing, and I'm getting acquiring all this new knowledge and all these new resources just to know, like to just stay grounded in who I am. And so that's like I think the biggest thing I've learned. I think I've learned more about myself <laughs> than I've learned about the law. To be honest, and we being real, like I learned so much about myself, like within this past year. So 
when it comes to that, like, I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned and, and, and taken with me. As far as, like, law school, we want to talk about education. Like, I've learned a lot in that aspect, too. Like, your girl killed contracts. So, like, okay. we, can about, okay. we can talk about contracts if you want to. We can talk about tours. We can talk about Civ Pro. But I really think the biggest thing is that I learned who I was and who I am and what what values and things definitely mean the most to me over this past year. And how impactful has this last year been on you with Black Lives Matter going on, especially learning remotely? Because I know that whole George Floyd thing was something that was like an instant, unexpected situation with the uproar. It kind of gave me a vibe of the L.A. riots kind of kind of thing with the Letitia Harlins and, you know, Rodney King type vibes. How was that, especially you being in the Black Mecca? Like how how, how impactful was this year for you? Right. So we talked about it a little bit earlier, but it was really difficult. Like D.C. was having marches and you don't understand how bad for I wanted to be in the action. Right. Literally, I live on Connecticut. If anybody knows, I'm not to move. So it doesn't matter. So I live on Connecticut. Literally, like it would be seven, eight o'clock at night and hearing it right outside my door, like hearing the marches right outside my door, like and reading a torts book right it was just in my mental i was struggling with do i need to be here right now like what matters the most should i right. be marching like you know what i'm saying like really fighting with my people or should i read this torts book and i have these conversations with my classmates all the time and it really pulls at us it's like yeah i need to get these good grades but what's going outside in the real world matters more than this torts book right now so it was just very difficult. And like I said earlier, I remember me sitting in my contrast class and literally hearing the verdict come down. And it was just like tears. Like I was just like, all right, I got to take a step back mm. get right now. But I got to take a step back and really feel this moment. Right, so I like, right. I left class. Like, turned my camera off at first, but I was like, nah, I got to go. Like, this is too much. Like, I really need to feel this right now. And it was a lot for me. It was definitely a lot for me. Like then going to Kremlin class and having to deal with it all over again. It was right, like, right, it was, right. You couldn't escape it. You couldn't escape it. Yeah, it was emotionally taxing. It was definitely emotional, emotionally taxing. But I do think having the community that I have here at Howard made it better. Like we had our community meeting calls and we had a support system and we did have our classmates organizing protests and rallies and stuff like that and really going out and we had the opportunity to do the work like and being like I said being a black law student during this time meant so much because it's like now I'm learning the law and I'm learning how to approach it from a legal aspect to defeat what's going on Mm. like now I make a change from the inside and that's what really keeps me going during this time and how much it hurts, I literally had to delete social media for a while. Like it was just too much for me. Like had to delete Twitter, had to delete Instagram because I was like, I need to take a step back. Like this is a lot. Like imagine, yeah, it's going on. You reading about certain things in your textbook, right? Right. But this is really happening on the right, inside. right, literally. literally on a daily basis. Like my white classmates can just read it in a textbook, but we live it. I'm living it, right? You you can read about something, but when you have it really going on on the outside and in your community, it, it hits harder. It hits home. Mm. And so what I would tell, like, the future, you know, generational lawyers that's coming behind me, like, class of 2024 and so on, is, like, it's going to be times because this ain't going to be the last time. 
we still out here fighting. We still are fighting. Just because that verdict was the, what it was doesn't mean that we still not out here fighting for our rights and we fighting for our lives. So just continue to do the work. Yeah, it gets hard, but it's a reason why we're doing this. And that's a big fact. And I and I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, and that just goes back to me saying like Delta Sigma Theta means change to some degree. And you being a, a wise Delta woman in this, given to me you're a baby in Delta. Yeah. But you're still a Delta woman. Uh, what change and what degree do you feel you're able to make as an impact being a law student right now at Howard? Oh, absolutely. I definitely, and we said it again, I'm going to keep saying it, like, what I'm doing with this law degree is I really want to change the world. And people say that, but, like, I definitely want to do that. Being a Delta, and the reason I chose Delta <laughs> was because, yeah, we love our other, you know, D9 sororities, but Delta is really it. When you talk about boots on the ground doing the civil rights movement. Hello, woman suffrage. Women's suffrage, Mark, when you talk about all of that, like, read it, pick up a book, read the history book. History don't lie. Facts do not lie. Deltas was in the middle of that, on the front line, again and again. And, and again. again. <laughs> and you talk about our And we still are. And we still, like I said, like, really shout out to past President Sora Marsha, Marsha Fudge when she's really doing the work. And, like, when I look up, when you say, like, oh, who you look up to, though, that's the type of woman I look up to. She's a Delta woman actually doing the work. And I want to be like that. That's what I inspire to be, making a change. And I'm making a change. I want to make a change on a micro level as well as a macro level. So Delta for me meant a lot to join this organization because I knew it was an honor and a privilege to be here and to really walk in the light of the people that paved the way. And right. I, don't, I don't take that lightly. Me either. <laughs> anybody that talks to me... I, make, I made some difficult decisions this week that was like, I'm doing a work or work of the 22 because they're not going to stand for, for disrespect, period. Right. <laughs> yeah, like... That it means a lot to me. I don't really take that lightly. I don't take my membership lightly because I know that it's an honor and a privilege for me to be in this position. And I use that. You mean you see people I tell people all the time, put Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated on your on your resume. Like when I had to go to my interview, that was one of the things they talked about. They was like, Oh, you're in a sorority. Like, what positions have you held in the sorority? I said, Well, I was state facilitator for Arizona. Like we had a whole conversation. Right. He was also Greek. And we literally talked about that through my entire interview for the whole 20 minutes that he had me. And that's what we talked about. Like, so Delta. It's a flex. It's a flex that everybody can't have. (laughs) It really is a flex. Like, it's definitely a flex. So. I just feel like looking at the Delta woman and knowing within just Spring 11, for me, it's just like to know the areas of how we all cross and where we are like in Spring 11. It's just like, dang, Delta. You pick some great ones, and I'll be looking after. I'll be like, but wait, we got med students, law students. Okay, Delta, you kept her up old. But I'm like, yo, people don't know that. And I have that tatted across my rib, and always everyone's asking me, like, why? What does that mean in Latin? I'm like, it means change to some degree. They're like, oh, so what does that mean? I'm like, Delta Sigma Theta. They're like, across your rib? I'm like, yes, because that's part of me. Like, you know how Adam had his rib with Eve? That's part of who I am to build my character, who I am as an individual. So, yes. Across my rib. That's where it's at. In oh, red ink. Is, 
understand that. Really, shout out to my ship. They know what it is. Like, we got excited for life. Like, it, it really Period. means a lot to me. Like, it definitely means a lot to me. I do not take my membership lightly. Like, as far as, like, growing in Delta, definitely uh, getting those positions and really running for office. I think that's important because then I'm making change inside my Delta community, but I'm also making change inside of a legal community. Exactly. So it's it's for sure. I feel like it's I feel like it's like more so like a it's always a triple threat because you're not just making change within the sorority, you're making change outside in the community, making change for the world. So it's like right. and, and for Dell State, our motto is make your mark on the world. So like I'm gonna make my mark regardless as a Delta woman or as an individual because that's what I was raised to know in my academic atmosphere is to make your mark on the world. So I'm gonna make my mark by any means necessary. No matter how it takes, it's gonna just happen. But I just think the the network of how business is ran is just like it's always a change is happening. Like you to be ordered in order to see the change you want to happen, you have to be that change. And there's gonna always be situations you have to be in uncomfortable situations where you're like Am I jeopardizing myself and my livelihood for a stance to be a set president for somebody who comes behind me? I'm going to choose a set president. And if that means I have to jeopardize my job, I'm going to do that because you're not going to sit here and allow somebody who comes after me to sit here and take the toleration of disrespect. And that's what I did this past week. Like, you're not going to disrespect any black woman, a black female accountant, even though it's rare of us, but you're not going to do it. And if that means I had to lose my job in the process of doing that, I'm going to stand for what's right because I can't just sit here and be a bystander. That's not what I was raised to do. And me as a Delta woman, I can't do it. Right. And, and I really think a lot of people can learn from you from that because certain times we get complacent and they're like, okay, I'm just going to do the status quo. I'm just going to continue to take this. But no, like change will not happen unless it was that strong individual to be like, all right, enough is enough. Like, period. I'm tired of being like this. So I'm going to make a change. I'm going to do something that is kind of out of the ordinary, but it's going to help me and it's going to help the future people that come behind me and the other black women and black men that come behind me, period. And I think that's very important. A lot of people can learn that lesson from you. So you should be very proud of yourself. Oh, I, I'm not, I'm not mad at all. I'm just like, I just want them to know they're going to have a lawsuit on their hands. <laughs> so they better get ready because it's about to be <laughs> over. <laughs> Because um, I'm here. I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. Like, I'm going to fight. I'm always going to fight on the right side, not not the side that's for popularity. And I just feel like it's major because when I thought about it, I'm like, no, as a Delta woman, would they really... If your 22 fighters are here in front of you right now, what would they tell you to do? Fight. So why would you sit here and do anything else? You're going to you're gonna be the... You want to be the change to see in corporate America? Then you have to sometimes take uncomfortable positions and just trust the process. And that's just how it is. So when you finally do get Esquire behind your name, how important do you find it is to impact upcoming youth to step up if they want to pursue the same? Yeah, so we talk about the black men and women only making up 5%. That is so low, y'all. And then you talk about black women and we only make up 2%. So when I get the ESQ behind my name, I definitely want to implement programs at HBLSs like to get the people that's coming from their undergrad to go to H HBCU law schools to really get that education and really build the community up because certain times people don't go to law school because they can't afford it. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about all oh, having a quality education and being educated and it's important to be educated. Well, I think the thing that's really stopping some people is they don't have the money to do that. Law school is not ex is not um, cheap. It's very expensive. And for Howard, you can go look it up. 64K a year, baby. That's a lot. So, Woo, child. Like, 
Um, for me, when I become an attorney, like I do want to implement programs and do scholarships and give scholarships because it really sometimes is a money factor. Like, and I know that's what, what it was for me. And I could, that's why I couldn't go to HBCU for undergrad. So I think that's really what it is. Like I said, mentorship, right? When that's why I don't turn down women when they DM me and ask me to be their mentor. I don't do that as much as sometimes I'm like, ah, I don't know if I'm ready right. for that. I don't right take on that responsibility it's important it's definitely important to really nurture our youth and that's the things that i'm doing so i'm doing that now you know but when i get money like i think giving back to your alma mater is very important like even if it's a little bit like it right. helps like and if you don't want to give it back to your alma mater because you're like i don't know what they gonna do pay it forward someplace else Pay it for like pay for a legal queens like application fee that is that's not cheap. Pay for them to take the LSAT. Pay for them to have a tutor like anything like that. Just help like pay for a meal on a random Wednesday for somebody that's in law school. Like just little things like that because you really don't know how much of an impact you'll have with little things. So, and that's major. And I and I and I think that's a big staple. And that comes back to it when Amanda Seals says we're. We are each other's business because we are each other's business, especially in the black community, because because there's such such an ideology of what we're supposed to be as a black culture. When one fails, we all fail. When one wins, we all win. But sometimes we forget that when one wins, we all win type situation. Um, So in that mindset, it kind of sets us back just a little bit because we just still have that crabs in a battle mentality. Like I was just saying on my other episode, I'm like, yo, my fans are doing big things. My friends are doing big things. It's not my time to shine, but me shining light on them is not going to dim mine because what's meant for me is never going to miss me. So it's just about the patience game. But celebrating the fellow queen because of what she's done and worked hard for because it was her season to reap the harvest, it's not going to change nothing for me because if I'm really about them, I'm going to be about them. You preaching. You preaching. Like, I tell people that all the time. It's like, what the next person is doing, if they're doing it at a little bit faster pace than me, does not stop what Alex is doing. Does not stop what Jess is doing. Like, I'm actually happy because that means if God is blessing you and you close to me, he come around my block. Hello? Pull up on me! He moving around my block. Like, he about to spin the block because if you on the next block and he blessing you, I'm right there. I'm right behind you. So it's like, I get excited when my line sisters or my profiles or my mentees or my mentors is getting blessed because I'm like, oh, it's coming close. Like, we get blessed in threes. Right. I'm about to get blessed. And then she about to get blessed. And now let's try to, like, figure out a plan to make some more money or do bless another person. So I don't get I don't get discouraged by somebody else getting blessed. I don't hate on other people getting blessed because I know it's my time. My time is my time. Like, and, and it's coming. So, yeah. So, given the last episode, I'm going to just give Alex her flowers right now for being a black woman because she's out here flourishing and excelling in law school. Y'all wasn't on the conversation earlier, but contract, she aced that joint. Of course, nothing less hey. than expected. But she literally is diligent in what she does. She puts the time and she puts the effort because given as much as you want to have those rewards, you got to meet a God halfway to be able to get them. So, like, he can't do all the work. You got to go ahead and put it in. And Alex definitely has been doing that this whole year. So I commend you and I salute you and I give you your flowers today for actually out here pursuing and really out here grinding and making changes day after day. I appreciate that, sis. Love you. Much love. So, is there any be real bomb or like a model that you go by that you want to probably share with the people before we sign off? Listen, I'm not a model. 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 I'm not a
Listen, my thing that I really ascribe to every day and I, I encourage other people to do is more so like a routine in the morning, right? This is what I do to be successful. Who be asking me that? I get up in the morning before I even put my feet on the ground, I'm thanking God. Like, that's really what it is. Like, thank God for another day. I do my meditation. If I get to it, I'll go work out. <laughs> <laughs> Not if I get to it. <laughs> Doing the things that make me feel good in the morning, right? And um, yeah, those who choose freedom, we can't rest. So. Ooh, go off, y'all heard her. Those who choose freedom can't rest. Period. I mean, when you always fighting, you gotta always be prepared. You don't get a chance to sleep. Sleeping's for the dead, and we ain't dead over here. Okay. Life. But Alice, I appreciate you so much for coming, you know, hanging out with me on Just Be Real Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Nothing less than what I expected of amazingness. I mean, let's just be honest, period. Um, Because Alex is booked and busy, honey, okay? Sis is booked and busy this summer. But um, I appreciate you. And I just wanted to say for y'all out there, hopefully Alice's story is a testament for y'all to be able to pursue whatever you want to pursue. Ignore the house phone in the background. Again, I told y'all I'm in my mom's crib. It is what it is. We keep it real over here at Just Be Real Podcast. But never forget, always be real, be true, and always be unapologetically you. We will catch you next time. And it's been great chatting with you, Alex. Love you, sis. Love you more, sis.